Welcome to the podcast, episode 11. In this episode, we're going to discuss the importance of physical activity for kids. With us today, we have Mike Weeks, founder of Gym Run, who is passionate about improving the physical health, literacy, and well-being of pupils in schools. Mike, we are so grateful you've taken the time to come onto the podcast today. We've touched on this um, topic before, especially with Andy being a father, but we're really looking forward to getting deeper into this topic with your knowledge and expertise. So welcome all the way from the UK. <laughs> Thanks very much. Pleasure to be here. Um, well, well, we're actually equal now. We've got two of you in the UK and then Leon and I yeah. <laughs> in Nairobi. But yeah, thank goodness for the world of Zoom. For sure. So Mike, would you introduce yourself? Tell us how you got into um, you know, physical fitness for kids and about gym run. Of course. So I started, I started my career post-university as a PE teacher and I worked in a number of schools. The first one is where I, um, or the area of which, Wooten Bassett, is where I caught up with Andy through the local rugby club. And uh, I then moved from, from that school to London and taught in a couple of schools in London. Uh, ran a, a department in in Sunbury, Southwest London, for four years, um, and then I I actually left teaching, um, and I I'm not sure Andy actually whether he, you know this, but I did a I did a personal training. I remember. Um, I remember you leaving teaching. You do remember that. So I um I kind of felt like in a, in a PE sense I'd I'd done as much as I could do in in a state school setting, and I wanted to do something linked to to my background in, in sport and physical activity. So I thought, well, I'll, I'll do a course, which I really enjoyed, and got a job in uh, in a gym in Wandsworth, um, which was, I, I learned a lot in that year, but during that year, I started to get, um, I probably started to miss working with kids, um, and an opportunity came up in a, in a fantastic independent school in southwest London, St Paul's, um, as director of sport in the junior school, and I am, um, as a personal trainer, I applied for that job and got it, um, and uh, stayed there five years and absolutely loved it. Um, could have retired there, but I had this burning, uh, burning passion, if you like, to have a, a bigger impact on on, on more kids. Um, and I, I was aware that I was never going to have that bigger impact on more kids in in just one school. Um, and then linking to to the idea of kids and fitness. So I came away from that school and I, and I had this, this, this drive to set something up. I didn't exactly know what it would be, but I, I, I learned that it was school-based and it was physical education-based. And I guess from my experiences in the last school, um, there was a, a very clear understanding that school sport was, was two parts. It was physical education and it was games. And games was the rugby and the, the cricket and all the team sports. And then the physical education was more developing the physical body and the way I saw it um that curriculum was uh, fitness gymnastics athletics um, and I've always enjoyed both parts equally um, but I really enjoyed that part and I started to see um stories if you like of certain kids within that last school who maybe didn't have a an inherent or what seemed to be an inherent love for um some of the other sports but because they had the the kind of raw materials physically they really started to take take on an identity as a rugby player or as a, a rower or whatever it might be. And then if I was to rewind back to the the earlier experiences I had in state schools, um, the reverse was true. And I would see kids who, who seemed to love sport and were desperate to play football and, and get into school teams, but they couldn't run without getting tired and they couldn't um, support their body weight to, to do a handstand in gymnastics. And I just kind of felt increasingly from all these experiences that actually are what we can do physically um, sort of really starts to shape um, a lot of our behaviors and physical activity. And so I thought sort of based on all, all of those experiences in, in, in these state and independent schools, I thought there's, there's a place here to really build uh, fitness and physical health, but early on. Um, and I feel that 11 is, is too late because a lot of those perceptions have been formed. Um, so, off the back of that, um, I'm now working 
very much mostly in primary schools, um, trying to build fitness and physical health, um, and in all children, not just those who who have that real passion and an interest outside of school for for, for playing sport. But the, the kind of the real focus of gym run is is, is on all of them, um, because it's those ones at the lower levels. I think that if we if we don't get hold of them early enough, then they're the ones that are going to become tomorrow's um, tomorrow's challenges in terms of obesity and and all the rest of it. So that's. That's kind of my journey to, to, to what I'm doing now. Um, yeah. I think that's, that's so wonderful. So, um, like, Jim Run now, how many schools do you, do you sort of work with? So, overall, I've, I've, I've been into more than 50 schools. Um, oh. As of this year, we've got 38 schools, um, which is... I guess there's two ways of looking at it. Um, it's a relatively small number of schools in the sense that nationally there's, I think there's 18,000 or so primary schools. Yeah. Um, but then I think there aren't too many people out there who personally um, work in 38 schools um, across the course of a year. So it's, as I said at, at the start, it's very much a startup. Um, and uh, we're kind of looking to, to gain a much more influence um, at policy level, um, but at the same time going school to school, uh, but it's a it's a hard challenge. Um, I'll be honest, getting into primary schools with uh, with something that's potentially a little bit disruptive um, and different um, is is a big challenge. Um, but I guess it's a lot of a lot of what I'm doing is is backed up by this this belief that um, I think. <laughs> You, you can have shortcomings in, in, in nearly all areas of, of who you are, even literacy and numeracy. I, you know, there, are, there are wonderful stories of people that have been so successful in life um, who haven't been able to read or write. Um, but I think if you don't have that basic fitness and physical health, um, at some point it's, it's really going to hold you back. Um, and I think you're probably going to have struggles along the way, whether that's not until you're in, into adulthood. So it's, it's kind of on that that basis really that I'm I've I've got such this such a drive and passion to to continue to get this into more schools um, and, and and to push the message. Um, but yeah, in answer to your question, uh, Claire, it's it's 38 mm-hmm. schools at the moment, um, and about so w- with the, the the assessment scheme that we run, um, just I would say just shy of 20,000 pupils have, have have done it. Um, so we've got a lot of powerful data. Um, but we're just touching touching the size at the moment of what what could be achieved. That that's incredible. I yeah, I love geez. your message. I think that's so so important. Um, you know, like you say, not everyone's good with sort of the academic side yeah. of things. But if there's someone like you, sort of nurturing um, the physical side of things, I mean, just if there were more people like you, that would be amazing. Especially now, as so many schools. I find like we were discussing since we were at school, we did sports and stuff every day. Um, but it, I don't, I wouldn't say it was a very nurturing environment at all. It was like, you know, if you were good at sports, you were given a lot of attention. But if you were bad, yeah, you, you know, know. <laughs> you were sort of sent over there. So that it, it wasn't, I don't know, it wasn't a sort of a for everyone. yeah. yeah. Um, but the way you do it, it sounds fun. And I've looked yeah. at your website and everything, and. Um, so can you tell us more like what you've got sort of like different different sort of fundamentals that you you work through and then kids go to different levels can you tell us a bit more about how it sort of actually works yeah so um it's it's set up on this on this notion that so so what is what is basic fitness and physical health um and for me it's for it's, it's a huge amount of things, but if we could get all 11-year-olds um, or most 11-year-olds to be able to, um, to, to move with a level of quickness, um, to engage their core sustainably, um, because a lot of them can't, to support their body weight, um, to squat and to jump uh, with good technique, um, and to run without getting tired. And by that, I mean run for three to five minutes without getting tired. If we could get all pupils there, um, then I think the whole the whole narrative would be different. Um, so based on that, I've set up um, some standards um, and an assessment, a one lesson assessment, 
and that's the bulk of what what I do in school. So I go in and I run this this one lesson, really inclusive and inclusive assessment, and all the pupils complete five challenges, which link to each of those uh, outcomes that we want to see. Um, so they do a speed bounce, they do a, a one minute sit up test, uh, they do a one minute dip on a on a school bench, uh, they do a standing long jump and a three minute run, and the way the the challenges are set up, uh, they're very inclusive and kind of thought through in a way where whether you're the best or the or the least proficient you you can't tell the difference um so there's no kind of um demotive demotivating effect really by but by, by being a part of that lesson and then the pupils work in pairs and they write down each other's scores so you've got some some kind of personal and social um development going on there and then we take away all those scores and we, we crunch all those numbers in an overall uh quite a simple algorithm algorithm which i've set up if you're following. Yep. Yeah. Um, and what that does is it gives every pupil an overall score between one and eight yeah. um, based on how well they perform in those five challenges. Now that score matches a colour and that colour matches a badge. And then we send all the badges and all the data back to the schools. And the idea, that the, the, the core idea behind it is that it does not, and we say this every time we deliver it, it does not matter whether you're, you know, whatever stage you are in your fitness journey. What's important is that you know uh, where you are now, yeah. and then you know where you are in six months' time, and it's it's you know the behaviours that you put in place in that period of time um, that will kind of determine whether you move forwards or not. Um, yeah. So it's it's essentially it's a set of standards, an assessment, yeah. and a badge system, and then linking to all of that, I've I've written a curriculum which I call the Gym Run Curriculum, and it's a very simple um, body weight based uh, curriculum for for children. Um, it works for adults. Um, I've been doing it with friends um, on Zoom calls in lockdown, and it kind of draws on this idea of um, let's start with a speed agility warm up, which links to the first challenge, and let's do a, a core exercise, an upper body exercise, and a lower body exercise. Then let's go and do a run, and we'll come back and we'll have a stretch and a balance. Or sometimes we might do the stretch and the balance first, and then go for a run. But if we do all that kind of stuff on a regular basis, um, you know, we're not going to be um, we're not going to be the elite performers and we're not going to be those people um, that perhaps engage with the gym in the way that I know perhaps you guys do, but we're going to have that basic good fitness and physical health that's going yeah. to set us up. And that's that's kind of what it is, really. Yeah, so I remember being at primary school when I was younger. There was like various sort of badge type things. I think it was like a decathlon thing by Daley Thompson. You used to get badges for different yeah. skills you did. Yeah. But they seemed to all die out. And even there was an RFU rugby one where you get rugby proficiency awards and you get like your gold badge yeah. for running around and kicking the ball yeah. over some posts and stuff. But all that died out. And why do you think there's a sort of a loss of interest by schools in these sort of programs for a while and yeah it's good to see you guys almost coming back from it yeah. uh good question andy i i would say time um from from being in primary schools um for a, a number of reasons the these these teaching staff um and, and everybody within these these uh these schools they're so busy they yeah. seem to be so busy um and uh, this is this is a, another thing that they have to do um, and that's one of the reasons why it's quite hard for me to get what I do into schools because they just don't have the time. Um, and a, a part of that in, in the PE sense is linked to the fact that most uh, or a good deal of primary schools, um, th their sport will be run by not, not a PE, not a frontline PE teacher. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not always the case, but quite often. So they have this PE coordinator role. Um, I don't quite know how it is in Kenya, but that person is often given that role maybe because they're a new teacher or because they, they're not running maths or English or something else. And then they're given this, this subject, which for me, um, to run it effectively is almost a full-time job before you start teaching it, or can be, if you do it really well. And they're given it on top of being a, a full-time classroom teacher. And when you, when you look at that setup, um, it's, it's no wonder that we, we continue to fall short of the mark. Um, so, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's time um, I mean, from, from from what I'm aware of, there we still have the badge award schemes in swimming, and that's that's been the big one. But then a lot of that swimming, I, I know schools have a requirement to do swimming at a certain age, um, but a lot of that swimming is is parents based. Mm. Yeah. Um, so it's not driven. The, the badge scheme is probably not driven by the schools. 
Um, but yeah, probably time. Yeah, it's, um, it's the, yeah. I think it's the same here because when when I was in high school, it it used to be the like the computer teacher, and he'd never he'd never <laughs> exercise. Yeah, and he'd just stand <laughs> there and be like, yeah. "Yeah, run, yeah, do ten laps," you know. So you can really see there's no. There wasn't really interest because he he couldn't jump. He he was real like super geek computer. So outdoors wasn't his thing. So I think also here it, it would be nice if we had like you know physical exercise specialist or something well, like that. I think it should be. You should prioritize yeah. that. And I guess it's just down to the priorities. Like there's just so much pressure now on the academic side of things. That yeah, it's, it's too much academics. Like, from a parenting perspective, and I know, you know, since Kyle's been in um, prep school and pre-prep, yeah. but there's such a pressure on academics. Yeah, you know, big time. On, you know, the assessments, yearly assessments and things like this, even at seven, you know, she's been at school for, since she was like two. So... You know, pre-prep and prep, and you know, there's academic assessments every year. So I think people got a lot focused on that side of thing and actually forgotten about. Well, academics are great, but if you're not healthy, yeah, you're gonna have a poor standard of life. Standard of life anyway, regardless of the job you get. It's, you know, two yeah. need to go be balanced to a certain extent. It's, it, 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 I think it's exactly that. It's um, um, we're all sat here as, as 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 converted, and quite often the conversations I have are with similarly minded people who are all converted. There's almost the two, the two yeah. sides, and there are those uh, running around super busy in schools, and and a lot of them are fantastic, and a lot of them are very competent and 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 capable and driven within PE. Um, but that's the case. Um, but then I think for those people for whom maybe sport and activity wasn't a huge part of their upbringing or or the experiences they had were negative um it's it's no wonder that that then they hear this this kind of voice from above saying it's all about maths and english and literacy and numeracy um it's no wonder that they then focus focusing and boring boring to that um and and that's kind of what's happening and i think that the whole lockdown um period has been quite quite interesting for that because there is this almost uprising um of, of well-being and this this understanding of the importance of health and well-being uh, joe wicks in in the uk yeah. has done a huge amount for for that um and it, it definitely we link that with the obesity crisis that, that's all over the world but certainly certainly huge in in the uk um something does need to be done um and this this is where I almost um, contradict myself with, with pushing the idea and the virtues of assessment um, because it's actually, it's probably the overemphasis on assessment within literacy and numeracy that has meant that schools um, focus disproportionately on those, those subjects. Um, but it's also by assessing those subjects that you raise profile within those, those areas. Um, and that's, that's really why I've, I'm trying to drive from the ground up this this idea of let's assess something in PE that is objective and achievable, um, and let's make that something that's important because it then puts value on it. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, assessment will exist um, where progress matters. So if if on that basis we think that progress matters in physical health, then let, let's assess it. And then it's it's I think it's our relationship with assessment. So it, it doesn't matter if pupils fall short. Um, you know, it, it's not about getting them all to a certain point. It's just about recognizing that the subject is important enough um, to get all the all the pupils on that journey and and to know where they're all at and what's happening with them. And then we can actually start to be accountable for the impact we're having day to day. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, it makes sense. And I think you know one one way of sort of you know getting a school to buy in is to get the parents to buy in. I think, yeah. you know, it's, it's trying to convince enough parents about the benefits of physical activity when maybe it's not formed part of their life. Like, it's easy, like, in... Obviously, you know, I'm one of the fit parents. I would say I was the fittest parent in Cars Cars, but Sheena Miller's bloody in my... <laughs> Kids in the cast, and she's a CrossFit athlete for Kenya. So, oh yeah, you know, so, oh bad luck, Andy. Yeah. Yeah. If you're listening, 
Awesome. You have to see that number two. So, but uh, people like us, I probably pressure school a little bit. Like when Kaya's blood test came back one time with low iron, I had to go up to school for not feeding the kids enough red meat when they're boarding. Right? And things like that. I'm a bit of a pain in the ass, probably, as a, a parent, yeah. that side of thing. No, but, that's um, good. But, but that's like, good. probably less so academically because. Mm. I know kids develop academically at different levels, but for me, the fit and healthy thing, you don't have to be great at sport. You don't have to be amazing at any particular sport just to be running around and being fit and healthy. And I think, for me, that's something all kids can participate in. You don't have to be the captain of the football team or yeah. whatever. And I think that's... Absolutely. Yeah. And, and your point on, on parents is quite um, pertinent because perhaps based on, on the challenges faced in getting into schools and, and also through the opportunities that have arisen um, during lockdown, um, I started to engage with parents um, of children in the schools that I work in. Um, and we've, we've got this, um, it's a very simple, um, we've got some YouTube stuff and, and a video of the five challenges that kids can do at home and then they email into to Gym Run and we send them a virtual badge. Um, and it, it's bubbled in certain areas and it, it's proved to me that, that there is a demand and the parents that have engaged with it have been so appreciative and said, my kids yeah. have loved it and, and they've worked so hard. Um, and it, it's, it's made me think in these last couple of months um, through a com- couple of conversations that I've had um, that actually, you know, the, the ultimate goal is, is to impact um, schools um, on, on, a, on a large scale, but maybe part of the solution to doing that is to engage with the parents yeah, yeah. Uh, more directly um, because as we all know like, like you said yourself Andy a lot of parents will um, be quite involved in what happens in schools um, so if we can excite and engage the parents in in the place of physical health um, because it matters it clearly matters um, then that can sort of feed back into schools um, but it's also um, I think it's that triangular uh, relationship between the pupils the, the teachers and the parents um, and again, going back to assessment, um, what assessment does, it enables you to have that communication. So without it, um, a lot of parents will have no idea of, of what's happening to their children within the school setting. Yeah. Um, whereas if we have something that's very simple, very easy to understand, um, then that can be relayed to the parents' community. So the parents are already engaged um, in a way that perhaps at the moment in, in physical education they're not. So it's, I guess it's... it's is building an involvement with the parents from the outside, but also um, linking back to them from inside schools. Yeah, and uh, is it hard to like assume, say, you have parents who they're solely academic, like they're just, how do you go about like convincing such a parent where like this will benefit your kid, you know, even in terms of, both physically and uh, it goes back to their schoolwork. And yeah. how do you convince such a parent who's, they know it's read, read, you know, nothing else will yeah. get you to that place. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, that, that's a tricky one. How do, we, yeah. how do we convert the unconverted? Yeah. Um, I think there are, there are different types of unconverted. There are those who are um, all about the academic, um, and just drawing on my own experiences, and certainly in the last school I worked in, um, there were a lot of parents who were um, massively engaged with the idea of, 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 of getting their parents, uh, getting their getting their children uh, top grade. But they also recognised um, that actually PE and sport was a part of that. And I actually think generally independent schools do quite well with that. Um, I, I feel that you can cut... Uh, you can cut most independent schools down through the middle and they will kind of bleed um, this idea of health and well-being and sport um, more so than in the state sector. So uh, drifting a bit from your question, Leon, but those parents who don't value sport, I don't know, it's a tough one. What do you think? <laughs> I suppose it's education. Yeah. It's actually, as a whole thing, it's education of people yeah. and True, and true, it's true. harder in impoverished areas to get people to understand the, 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 the context of by improving your child's nutrition, you're going to help them think clearer. By improving their actual performance. Because yeah. all parents want better for their kids. But when you're in a, 
impoverished area and you haven't had the education and you are scrimping and saving to get food, sometimes you don't think about the nutritional choices you make for your kids, but instead about the economic impact in the family setting. So I think it's probably a knock effect because every parent works, oh, not every parent, but most parents are working hard to create a better life for their children than they had. And I think if you can educate a parent to, to understand that by improving nutrition, by getting a child out exercising, they're going to actually be able to focus better, create discipline, which they can then take to an academic setting, which then they can take further. Like, I always say rugby is one of those things that shaped my whole way of view of the world. In fact, that it gave me mentors. It gave me people to look up to, people who kept me on the straight and narrow. Sometimes when, you know, there's chances of me falling off the rails and I wasn't always the best behaved. And I say, see, Weeksy smiling. Yeah. <laughs> I remember when I was a little bit younger. But that's the thing. But, you know, it taught me valuable lessons in sport. And I think it's a little bit about that yeah. with, um, you know, educate the parents to then carry that forward. So you're, you're creating a future for your children that may not be currently visible to you. Yeah. yeah, if you know what I mean, you yeah. know. So that's, that's probably quite a long process, isn't it? Yes, I, I, I agree with you. I think it's a, it'll take it, 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 it it'll take time. Yeah. Yeah, but I I love your approach, Mike, because it's so inclusive. Because I really do feel in like throughout my schooling, it was if you were good, you you know you you were team. looked after, you were in the team. But if you were not good, if you were not skillful, you know you were in the under or the C team yeah. or whatever and <laughs> you and come I for think the warm it, up and then you So I'm sure parents who maybe weren't so good at sports just just felt yeah, like well why should my kid bother if this is sort of going to be how it is but yours is more more than just about having skills and everything it's um yeah it's physical well-being it's, it's exactly that um and it, it, it is frustrating to um I mean you know you you guys are a, 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 fair, a fairly young. I, I, I thought the hangover of um, the way that PE used to be and the, the, the sort of age-old age um, stories are they used to make us run around the field in gym shorts and um, and I always remember coming last and I mean it breaks my heart every time I hear yeah. that because I just think that for, for the whole of my teaching career that's never been um, it's never been the story. Um, you know there's such a simple way of uh, framing a, a cross-country run, for example, um, where it's inclusive, so you you can um, you can you can set groups off at different times, um, and you could set them off earlier or later, um, and you can you could give them an offer, so some of them could run three laps, some of them could run two laps, and yeah. then you know just simple things like that. What it then means is some of the fitter children are coming in last. Um, yeah. But they're okay with that yeah. because yeah. they want that challenge. Yeah. Um, and then the one that, that if he knows or she knows cross country is happening, doesn't come to school, gets an opportunity of, of, of getting applauded um, whilst they sort of beat some of their peers. But, yeah. but then again, it's, it, and this is a massive thing for me, it, it's that personal competition. So I do think that we need to be more transparent um, within, within what we're saying to children. And at the the bottom line is that some some children are overweight and some children are obese, um, and by hiding away from that reality, I don't. I think we're doing them a disservice because if we don't address it in ten years' time, they'll be more overweight and more obese. Yeah. And and I've always said this, and I, I have this conversation quite a lot in schools. I, I would rather um, make a child, not make a child, but create a situation where. I'm trying to be as sensitive and as inclusive as possible, but where a child might realise they can't do a sit-up, and they might even get momentarily upset with that. Yeah. Um, but they learn from that, and then we put in a system where they go away and work on that, and they strengthen their core, yeah. and then the next time they do it, they come back six months later, and they can do five sit-ups. Yeah, and the following year, they can do ten. Yeah. Suddenly, they can engage their core, and they can engage positively in sport and activity, whereas if we don't have that initial conversation, ten years down the line who knows where they are yeah, it's, true. it's kind of that reluctance to to address the elephant in the room almost and, 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 and be transparent um, yeah. that I think is holding us back a bit and I, I imagine that I don't know who listens to this but there'll be there'd certainly be people if they were listening to this back in the UK who, who would disagree with that and so that's that's not the way to go um, so uh, I mean yeah. there's always going to be 
approaches, <laughs> but certainly from from the work I've done in schools with some obese children, um, after that initial moment, um, they've really come on board. So I can share stories, um, and I can see the children now who, after a year or two of being on this program, um, are, are celebrating getting from the red badge to the orange badge, and then moving to the orange from the orange badge to the yellow badge, um, because they've overcome that reality that actually they're not fit. And then they've been given the, the, the tools and the understanding of why it's also important. Um, and then they just move forward with that. And they've moved forward with that, but in an environment where there's lots of praise. Yeah. And praise for their effort, not just their attainment. Um, so it's, it's all those, it, you know, some of the language and some of the approach is so important. But, and I just wonder whether we're still living a bit of a hangover from 30 or 40 years ago. And, and the stories that you guys have shared about what PE was when we were at school. Um, and from what I from what I can see today, it's it's moved on so much more. But yeah, I think this is quite interesting. You know, as a parent, I think yeah, it's easy with like parenting when you know, you want your child to be happy. And some when a child's probably a little bit overweight and doesn't want to do exercise and gets upset because they're having these sort of negative thoughts about exercise because they're not, as you said, it's a beautiful thing to give someone some sort of pride in what they're doing by giving them some sort of thing they're achieving. Personal achievement gives people pride. I sit in Kaya sometimes, you know, some days I have to force her to come for a walk with me in the exercise. And for Kaya it's important because she was an IUGR baby, which means she's more prone to obesity, you know, from a, a birth perspective. So she's, she puts on weight quickly. And if, you know, like quarantine here, she put on weight. And now, yeah, it's like, trying to now because we had to quarantine for two weeks so she puts on weight easy and that you know we, you have to really watch what she eats and exercise her. yeah but she also reading a school report from a sports the director of sport mm. at a school and said kyle is great at certain sports because she loves them and she does really well at them <laughs> then she doesn't want to do something she's just not interested like hockey this, <laughs> this term was like hockey and she just wasn't it wasn't for her yeah but and that's like sport and the whole. But if she could see some sort of, because she knows she's not, it's not her best sport, so therefore she puts less effort in. Yeah. If she achieves something in that, like a little badge for skill yeah. development, mm. she would probably start enjoying it more. Yeah, definitely. Like trying to build up a like, oh yeah, I'm getting good. Because kids have a sort of, they like getting a rewarded points or be a sticker from a teacher or yeah. be it anything or a house point. You know, she's very proud she's got no demerits this term. I'm like, well, that should be how it is. <laughs> um, but she's proud of that, and she's proud of the house points. And I think kids build pride based on these little rewards and things. And I think, you know, that's important. So, as as you said, Mike, is about, you know, it doesn't have to be you have to be the best. But if you can get an award for your own personal development, then that gives kids a lot of pride, and they go on and progress from that. Yeah, um... I'll, give, I'll give you credit, Andy. You've um, you, you've evolved a lot since I I knew you as a twenty-one-year-old on, on a rugby pitch. <laughs> um, yeah, I, 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 I share entirely with what you're saying. Um, it's it's personal personal competition, um, and it, it's it's I guess it's the the art, if you like, of the teacher is to is to get that message across, but also to remove fear of failure. Um, yeah. And this is another thing that is 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 fairly. Um, is fairly prevalent in, in a lot of school settings. And again, I, I don't blame the people in the schools. It's, it's just the culture that's, that's come about is that we fear failure. Um, and I personally, I, from, from what I read, failure is a good thing, right? We, um, because when we fail, we learn. Mm-hmm. And when we, learn, we grow. Um, and it's okay to get things wrong and it's okay to make mistakes and it's okay to not do as well as you thought you could, you could do because all those experiences will, will will support you moving forward but if you never actually put yourself up to um to get knocked down then then you're you're you're, you're not going to move forward regardless you're just not going to be in, in in the game um so it's it's removing that fear of failure that that that, that is, is is quite a sort of significant cultural part i think of a lot of schooling and then if we think of that fear of failure and then we think of maybe a lot of the people who are um delivering PE within primary schools and their experiences of PE and then maybe their relationship with fitness. Um, you know, it's, 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 no, it's, it's no wonder that maybe some of these ideas that I'm 
kind of putting forward a, um, are, are quite challenging. Um, but you know, nothing, no good change is easy, is it? No, um, that's. I think that's. There's there's some serious sort of beliefs you're challenging there about failure and everything and. <laughs> What do you think? Would you agree with that? Or? Oh, yes, uh, 100%, 100%. But I can just see, like, especially the schooling system here. I mean, it, there's, there's sort of the local government schools that follow a very rigid system. And then the private schools, well, they're a mix. Some follow British curriculum, some yeah. follow more American. But it's all so driven. It's, yeah, I, it's so divided. I did both. So it was... Yeah was like coming from the public to private was very different it was because of the public well one thing though i noticed with public school sports was more like was more, taken more serious than when i moved to the private because private okay. yeah it was all books and read and if you get below a c you're going to instead of uh, going for sports or pe you have to stay and read extra. And in public, it didn't matter. It was, it's football time. Everyone is on the pitch. Whether you can, you like rugby, you like football, you like volleyball, go wherever and just. So I think that's where, and my dad was into sports. So he, he never really cared so much. He cared about academics, but never really pushed me, which I guess for me, that was good. Because he'd be yeah. like, yeah, he, he got 40% in maths. He's like, yeah, it's, he's not good in maths. He's good in football. But next time, he'll try for 50. We'll, we'll work with 50. Yeah, you well, know. that's all you can do, right? Yeah, yeah. so... That, um, yeah, what, what you're saying there, Leon, that those conversations are, um, are being had back in the UK. There's, there's a lot of talk around this idea that, that kids today are still being taken out of PE to yeah. catch up their maths. And their yeah, English. yeah. <laughs> and uh, it's just it's just a, a matter of priorities, isn't it? Is is, is what we're trying to achieve um, within the school setting? Is it is yeah. it maths and English at all costs, or is it maths, English, and well-being? Yeah. Well, this is what, yeah, and I agree. It's, it's the latter of that because, as I've said, again, you're saying that academics are more important, but not everyone's going to be an academic no. when we grow up. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, you know, that's the thing. It's like we're leaving it for late. You know, till late for people to find their, you know, kids to find their passion for sport a little bit. You know, if we get lucky, we join a football club or we yeah. join a rugby team, we find that passion. But if you can get that instilled earlier, they can probably get some lessons along the way. And it's something I, you know, I was looking at setting up in Kenya was a, you know, rugby based charity to, you know, bring orphans into, because, you know, teenage orphans have to leave children's homes at, when we turn 18, 18. Oh, yeah, well, you know, 17, 18 in yeah. Kenya, my yeah. lord, it's got to leave. But we've got, like, there's something of a real world of our own. And, yeah, and you need to sort of harness that a little bit. And I think using sport and teams, you can actually put in foundations that you can take through, even if you're not going to be the greatest rugby player. Those lessons, it's a bit like bodybuilding, the dedication of, like, when you're scheduling and setting your meals and setting your training... You can carry through to all aspects of your life. Yeah. And I think it's trying to get people to understand that sport's not just sport. Team sport is not just team sport. It's about social development, working within a team for, to achieve an objective. And that is a skill that you can carry through life. Yeah. 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 And I think that's, you know, you've almost got to teach parents that. And I know as a parent myself, no one likes to see their kid upset. And so you end up, if you're not careful, being a helicopter parent, just jumping in, making it all better for your kids, saying, oh, don't worry, if you don't like sport, don't do it, or, you know, we'll make it all easy for you. But actually, part of succeeding is failing. You yeah. can't taste, taste success until you have a bit of taste of failure. Yeah. Yeah, no, true. Uh, yeah. Um, I was, I was going to come in on that, Andy. What was it? I was going to talk about, um, thinking back to the point you made about... Um, not not necessarily being the best at something but still enjoying it so again the the last school i worked in was was you know we, we, we were very fortunate we had a huge team wonderful resources um a good budget a massive culture for sport and activity um but what that meant was that every every pupil it was an all-boys school st paul's 
Um, every, every pupil would, would play competitive football, rugby and cricket. Um, but actually, because of the way that we, we framed it, um, so for example, to address the culture, um, so those of us that w- who were the frontline uh, PE staff, we wouldn't just take the top teams, we would, across the three age bands, we would take a, a lower team, a middle team and a top team. Um, and so what that would mean would be we, we would obviously recognise the value of the sport irrespective of the level it was being played by all the pupils, but it would also mean that those across the ability spectrum would get um, maybe a higher quality or, or, or more experienced coaching. And what, what I would... Mm-hmm. ...plus of pupils would enjoy rugby, would enjoy cricket, would enjoy football, because... Um, one, they're having it delivered by somebody who is, is really passionate and has the time to put it across in the right way. Um, but two, it's pitched at their own level. And I think this comes back to um, sort of being transparent with where pupils are at. And, and we've had this discussion a lot. So we would have A through to H teams in some year groups. Mm-hmm. Um, and do we, do we label those teams in different ways so that people don't know which team they're in? But at the end of the day, um, they're going to know by looking around them at the people yeah. that are on their pitch or not they're going to know whether they're in the a team or the or or the bottom team or the middle team um and and that's kind of life isn't it we we get knocked back but as soon as as soon as we get over that then we can get on with the the actual activity which is going to be far more beneficial because we're playing with kids at our level and then we we kind of forget that or or we or we have the opportunity to move up a team if it matters that much to us or we have our skills in music or in in maths or english or or somewhere else but but to, to not recognise that we all perform at different levels and then to, to put in place a system where we can all play at those levels, um, I think is a less a less effective approach. Does that kind of make sense? Yeah, no, yeah, it makes sense drifting, to me, I think. Drifting yeah. a bit yeah. away from health here, but it's, it, does, it kind of links back to um, that core idea of, um, of, of, of getting everybody... Yeah, I don't know, I suppose it's a different conversation, isn't it? Um, yeah, I think it ties in mindset. It's a mindset thing and the cultural change thing because, again, be the best that you can be. That, that that's yeah. the I think if you are in the say the C team, you got a choice. You either enjoy it for what it is, yeah. and you're happy at that <laughs> level, or you push yourself because you've got a passion for that sport to be the best. To be in the A team. Rugby week, so yeah, you know when if you get dropped to the seconds. I've never been dropped, Andy. But you know what I mean, like you know, if you forever you end up on the bench or whatever, you know you've got to, you know, especially when you're playing scrum half, you you probably spend a lot of time on the bench. But, um, <laughs> so you practice your passing more, or you would you push a bit harder to get back into that start position. I think you've always got a choice. You say, "Oh, well, I'm happy with where I am," and just enjoy it for what it is, and then focus on your music or your other academics. But at least you're enjoying yourself. Or you've got a passion, say, as a kid for sport, you're going to, I'm going to work hard. And then it teaches that kid to, to work for something. Because that's actually really think that's their favourite thing in school, the sport. I, I agree. I agree. And there are a couple of balanced options there, aren't there? But crucially, in terms of tying that back to physical health, it's, it's this whole idea that you're just trying to be the best that you can be. So whether it's on the games field or whether yeah. it's um, in, in, a, in a fitness or a gymnastics or an athletics um context in your early years in primary school um if we can just create an environment where there's no fear of failure um and that everybody's just trying to be the best that they can be um and but but then that we do as i say we we monitor we monitor that and we're aware where everybody is and then we're supporting all of their development um then i i feel like in that kind of setting there's far more scope for us all to um and for us to work towards um addressing childhood obesity in a way where if we remove um, remove a lot of that transparency and that assessment um, and almost that direction um, I'm not so sure we're going to I'm not so sure we're going to progress as much yeah. but um, as I say that's that that's based on experiences in schools um, but it's just one opinion yeah, and I, I, I do I do recognise that there, there are there are more than there is more than one approach and that there are other people pushing different agendas no I like that approach and I mean here obesity is becoming a problem um, and not so much with children but I think that is increasing as well 
Um, and There's more in the adult population in Kenya. More in the adult population, yeah. but I do, I do think it's Even, growing amongst yeah. amongst well, kids and young kids. It's just not been studied in kids. That's yeah. All, because there's a rising middle class in Kenya, like, yeah. and um, more takeaway food. The traditional Kenyan diet has been sort of superseded by, you know, it's KFC now, it's Burger King, yeah, kids want to go to places like, yeah, frozen yogurt places. Yeah, Long then, you know, the old, the old sort of Kenyan stew yeah. at home. You know, like, and I think we're seeing that knock-on effect, and I, I think the two go hand in hand. When a kid feels they're not healthy, they don't want to engage in sport as well. So it's a, you know, it becomes a sort of, you know, a double-edged sword a little bit. Yeah, but also I think sometimes it's, you know, the, as much as parents don't like to take fault, it's, it's sometimes it's their fault. Because if you're, you're a kid, you know, you're growing up and yeah, your mom, dad is eating KFC every day, it's the only food in the house and it's what you've grown up eating, then you have Mike coming and telling you, uh, let's try get you healthier. And you're like, my, my parents don't do that. Like, I've never seen it. And it becomes a new concept. Then it makes our yeah. job just that much harder. And, and you can't guess blame the kid. You need the parents or you need the schools or you ideally need both. Yeah, because you can't blame the child. A radio presenter... Um, in England on, on LBC, which is a station I spend far too much of my week listening to, Andrew Castle, yeah. um, an ex-tennis player. He's very passionate about this whole agenda. Uh, and I, I overheard him say the other day that if, if your child is four years old and they're obese, that, that's neglect. Yeah, yeah, I, um, I, I agree. <laughs> it's, it's, some, it's somebody you know, in, in the public domain calling it out um, because you, you, can't, you can't say that in a school no. um, <laughs> without potentially... Get a yeah. look. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. then parents might let us for it from from your line manager and from the parent involved. Yeah. Um, and then there's a there's a way of putting it across. Yeah. Um, it's true. It, it is the elephant in the room, and for me, we we we, we need to tackle it earlier right. rather than later. Well, yeah. big time. In Kenya, like in Kenya, you're seeing a lot more. Your parents, especially parents who've moved from poverty to a sort of middle class job they went from walking to school every day like you know and walking everywhere to suddenly having a car and not wanting to ever walk and then yeah. we see walking as some sort of punishment poverty. <laughs> yeah. so like you know they drive their kids just up around and you know they have a computer for their kids and you know they see the outside world running around digging in the garden playing is it's something for poverty and so i suppose there's a cultural issue in kenya as well true yeah as a developing middle class and upper classes yeah yeah i can see that i can see that yeah no. it's a um it's, it's a challenging agenda big time um, and it's it's global yeah <laughs> oh it, it is global and i do hope that and it's been interesting hearing you talk about it right that during lockdown you know you have been sort of doing zooms with you know, even like with adults and maybe with parents as well and people are seeing and the government is, well, some governments are saying, you know, you need to be a bit healthier. Um, I hope that will bring about a, a rise just in an awareness um, and also how important it is for kids. And I know a lot of parents who've been stuck at home with their kids. It's been challenging trying to get them to stay active Um or, or, or hopefully they found that just by going out, that's, you know, that's been a good part of their day. Um, so let's... Yeah. Um, well, there, there, are some, there are some stats um, that I think I heard uh, a week or so ago on, um, on activity levels. And I think, I think was it, there, there's an expectation, which is, is an interesting expectation, but for all children to be active, for, um, I think, to, to, to be engaged with moderate to vig vigorous physical activity for 60 minutes every day, mm -hmm. which is, is a challenge. Um, and I think whatever the number for, for that was, um, during lockdown, it, it dropped to 20%. So 20% um, of kids are doing what they should be doing. Yeah. And then a further 10% are doing nothing. And again, this is my, this is my whole, um, or, or, or part of my rationale for, for, for doing what I'm doing, is that it's that 10% that we really need to be concerned with. Yeah. Um, but we, we need to identify um, them and then monitor and support their fitness journey 
Um, and and at, at the moment, a lot of the narrative is around how active we are as a nation and, and what percentage of pupils in our school are active or what percentage of pupils nationwide are active. But those those more generalised figures um, don't don't really identify those individual pupils um, at the school level. And it's only through, again, it goes back to the honest conversations and the, the use of some form of monitoring that we can really... Um, drill down and find out who those people are and, and, and work with them and, and support their their hopefully positive stories moving forward. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's um, the, no, the, the COVID-19 has, has been, I think it's been good in some ways to, to, to raise the idea of health and well-being, mm-hmm. um, raise it up the agenda and certainly um, Boris Johnson, I think too, um, recognised that partly as a result of his own level of, of health, he <laughs> he struggled, mm-hmm. um, and I think and there's a, there's a big push. Um, certainly, there's a there's a bigger bigger obesity push, um, and it's coming um, in in the UK. Um, and it'll be interesting to to sort of see what what shape it takes and and and, and how much it involves uh, things like what I'm doing. Yeah. yeah. Um, I wanted to ask, like, I, I in Kenya, I don't think it exists, but like in the UK, is there like a set law or uh, I don't know if if there are ministries or something like the Ministry of Health where there's a set standard or number or activities that kids in schools need to do whether in public or private schools or because here when I see the ministry one there's a recommended two hours of physical activity every week Um, but there has been for a while but the, the key word there is recommended yeah um, which means um, that it depends entirely on the, ah. the, the school yeah, yeah. and the people delivering it. Um, but again, yeah, so it's um, so it's, so it's open to interpretation. Yeah. So if you have a if you have a very pro um, sport, health, well-being school, um, they'll they, they'll potentially smash that and mm. they'll they'll celebrate the benefits. Um, oh. But then equally, a lot of schools. Um, there, there, are, there, are, there are issues there, like, there are challenges like within all, all environments, but there's challenges around facilities and yeah. time, and, 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 and so it, it becomes quite easy. If it's not your passion, it becomes quite easy to, um, to lose it. Yeah, true. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. from yeah. a practical sense, take away from the schooling side, what can parents do to maybe engage kids more into exercise, especially when you know, a kid may be not so keen? Um, how just to say that one again? How how what can kids do if if so there's a parent? So you got yeah, you're a parent, and you got a child who's maybe less keen to do sport because of like negative experiences from school. What can that parent do to encourage that child to be healthy? I, to, to be, I, I think um, a, lo- a lot of people's answer, and I don't disagree with this, would be to make it fun. Yeah. Um, to, to find something that they can enjoy, and I think that the the vehicle of activity and sport is is essentially fun. It, it's how it's put across. So find find an organisation or a club or a, a setting um, where where it is is fun. And actually, I can give a quick example of this. So having been in the park with my daughter on Friday, so there were there were a group of um, girls about 10 11 12 doing some fitness stuff um initially i thought it might be a school on the local common uh, but i, I kind of looked at what they were doing and who they were and i thought no these are these are these are athletic girls these are these are gymnasts um and my daughter was quite interested so we sort of went a bit closer and watched what they were doing and she was quite inspired by their handstands and their flips and everything that they were doing um, but the key the key part was they were enjoying it they were loving it mm. And my preconceived idea of more competitive gymnastics is maybe that it's quite, um, it's not very sociable and it, 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 it's quite serious and, and it obviously has a serious part to it. But what I could see from this particular club on the local common um, was that they were loving it. Um, and I think it's, it's finding, those, um, finding those outfits where it is fun and it, it can be fun through, through various means, but it has to be enjoyable. Um, and I think also they have to, um, and I, I, I wrote a blog touching on this, Andre Agassi is a, a really interesting character because he, 
you know, got to the, the dizzy heights of the top of tennis, um, and by his own admission, he didn't really enjoy the game because he was yeah. <laughs> he was railroaded into it by his father. Yeah. Um, and it, it, there's a tremendous irony to that because he it's it's given him a wonderful life, but he's also sort of been driven to do something that maybe for a good part of his life he didn't didn't necessarily want to do. Yeah. And I think on the on the back of that. Um, it's it's really sort of encouraging kids to, to find things that they can enjoy um, and maybe presenting enough different opportunities, um, team games, individual sports, uh, the more gymnastic-y stuff, um, the competitive stuff, the less competitive stuff. Um, but then within, within gymnastics, as I've said, there'll be clubs where there's a real focus on being the best and others where it's fun-based. So it's kind of finding the right, um, the right context within a particular activity um, and I guess that's probably quite challenging for parents who may just be aware of one or two organisations just down the road. And yeah. that's actually, yeah, that links yeah. to something that as a PE teacher I always found quite hard, which was the developing club links. Mm. Um, because you have those parents that are, that are engaged who, who are one step ahead, yeah. um, but they're not the ones who we need to support. It's, it's finding the right club links for those, um, those parents who are, who are less involved. Um, yeah, so, so I guess whether it's schools that can do more of that, I know that the physical activity sector is, is doing a lot to make more of these opportunities available, and I think there's some good work being done there. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think... Wide-ranging yeah, activities that are fun and available. Fun is, yeah, I think fun to their head. Like, you know, sort of things... Because, yeah, it kind of can be... She's a classic seven-year-old. Sometimes she thinks she's about 15. <laughs> she'll argue over everything. You know, like, look, we're going to go to the park, regardless of whether you want to or not. But once we're there... If you get into a game of TIG or something, I can have her running around for an hour without her even noticing an hour's gone. And I think that's always a way with like team sports and activities. If you're finding something fun, kids won't necessarily notice yeah. grief for doing it. Yeah. That's why you've got to make it fun because they don't see the, the intricate details of why you want them to do sport. They just, you know, if it's not fun, they just feel like they're being bullied into something yeah. for whatever reason their parents want them to do it. But if they find it fun, they won't even question it. They'll just enjoy it. And I was lucky. I found rugby quite early. And I always really enjoyed it. And, you know, I got into senior rugby when I was, like, 15 and really enjoyed being a pain in the ass to some of the older players, even as a kid. But, you know, I always enjoyed it. And, but I never even thought about the rest of my life and how rugby would shape that or how it was making me just generally a healthier person. I just enjoyed, you know, training two, three times a week, you know, going out with my mates after and things like that because that's what, you know, it's about. And being even at youth junior rugby where you hang around the clubhouse after and have your, your blackcurrant and lemonade and while someone's mum's making a chilli. And, yeah, you would just have fun. And it was always more about the, the back end of the actual rugby training, yeah. the actual front end of it, you know? And I think, and you're right, it, it also depends what club's near you. I, I think I, there's, there's this fun element of it, because this, this comes into the conversation in schools as well, and it, it is really important that it is fun. And, and you could build a case to say that the, the, the work that I'm doing is, is, is more, um, more condition-based, um, you know, it's not games of tag and it's not, mm. uh, it's not kind of organic, self-directed games that children come up with themselves. It's it's more, um, this is something that's really important um, and we need to get you moving. And if we don't do this, you're not going to move. So therefore, let's get you moving. Yeah. Uh, but I think the two are linked. Um, yeah. I think there's a place for both. Um, and actually, I, I've always been a big believer in if, if, if kids do have those basic competencies, um, there's there's a, a big term banded around physical literacy. I don't know how familiar you with it, which is kind of this idea, to my to my knowledge, of having the the basic physical competence, the the motivation and the confidence to engage positively. Um, and and it's kind of for me, it's children need to have. It starts with that basic competence, and if we strip back that basic competence, we probably have something not too far away from fitness and and health. And then we go back to those, those that early conversation around being able to engage your core and support your body weight and yeah. run without tiring. And if we do, as a part of what we're providing for kids, if we do give them those those tools, then it's probably fair to say they're more likely to enjoy things. And okay. I think, yeah. So I think competence is linked to enjoyment. I used to say teaching lessons that to a point, 
you know, the more proficient you are in an activity, probably the more you'll enjoy it. Not always the case, but yeah. quite, yeah, quite yeah, often. Yeah, confidence goes with confidence. Confidence yeah. then links onto the enjoyment aspect. Motivation. Yeah. And then that engages you and sustains that engagement. Um, but if we strip it right back to competence and we break down competence, you know, we're playing around with fitness and physical health. I think where Kenya gets that wrong is there's no real grassroots sports clubs as such. Very but few. like outside of schools, you then have like it's really funny when I first moved to Kenya, finding a rugby club. You have lots of like rugby teams playing in front of big crowds and stadiums. Yeah. Nothing underneath. I went to Nondi's <laughs> and went training. We said, oh, "Okay, you can play on the weekend." Went out, two thousand people watching. Like, well, this is crazy. Yeah. Yeah, but when you, you know, get a few injuries and you can't train, there's nothing else to fall back to. There's no sort of social rugby. And there's nothing for kids. They either play yeah. in school where they become good and then go on to play. There's nothing in the local neighbourhoods. Yeah, because I was lucky because my dad did, uh, did it for football. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, so we had tournaments during the holidays. He had programmes running weekends, so... But it was more for our estate. So, but kids used to come from all around, you know, Nairobi that, West. That, that's the road, that's where parents come in, isn't it? It's the yeah. grassroots level. It's yeah. it, it's parents. And then yeah. yeah, since most parents knew my dad and he'd played for Kenya, he well there was a those trust. So a lot of parents trusted uh, the yeah. kids with him yeah, and. Sure. Yeah. yeah, he was a coach, and that helped a lot of us. Even the guys who were not good at football. He still did, uh, you know, certain leagues for guys who are better, certain leagues for, and then, but for us, it was just football. So I learned about things like rugby later. I just, mine was football, football, yeah, and maybe the, now starting the gym, just strength training, but it, it was the way Andy said it, it was, that was my, like, you knew all your friends would be there over the weekend, even the ones who couldn't play, because they knew oh, the guys will be there, so I'm just going to go. Whether I play or not, it's fine. But it's still quite limited here. I mean, there's Very. mainstream sports, but gymnastics? No, mm. you won't see that. I know anything a sort of alternative is... Yeah. There are, yeah. you can't, there's no... No one was really going to teach you here. I mean, ballet and dancing's taken off a bit, but yeah, mm. if you wanted to do gymnastics or archery or fencing or anything... That's not the sort of normal sports that are taught yeah. in schools. Um, sadly, there's yeah, even yeah, that's why Ken's so good at running because it doesn't need any foundation. Yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> you just get out and start. Yeah. Yeah. You know. yes, it's accessible, isn't it? Um, yeah. But we yeah. actually we hadn't. So so running for me is a huge one. I think that that it, it's so important that all kids never fall out of love with running. Or you know, there's a point, isn't there? So kids run when they're younger and then suddenly they stop running um, and that that's going to happen but I think then if we don't continue to have a framework in place where they run on a regular basis even if it's for two or three minutes at the start of a lesson they will very quickly um, feel quite conscious running as their bodies change yeah um, but I think if we, if we if there's an expectation that every lesson they're running for a couple of minutes um, it just becomes what they do and it, it yeah. becomes their culture yeah um, yeah, and their, their body shape will will change and grow and adapt a little bit more with it. Um, so I think I think running is you know for me, um, kids should push and pull and run, um, and ache and sweat. And and I, I love it when I when I finish a lesson and with the older children they're all sat there red in the face and sweating. Um, it's great. I you know, more of it, and I, I just think we should celebrate that. And the thing that comes down to parenting again, I remember being a kid. Like my dad would make us walk everywhere. He hated taking the car anywhere, so we'd walk. And then because we were like my family, you know, we were we had four kids, and my dad would hold my sister's hand. And then he had to do something with us boys to stop us walking on the road or getting out. <laughs> he'd go right. He'd make us race each other up and down lampposts. Oh, he'd say, oh, first one to reach that lamppost or whatever." And yeah, we loved running. It's only now that I hate running because Eliza <laughs> hate me. Well, that's so, fair got an injury. Yeah, like yeah, you know. I mean, a lot of it, it seems like a lot of a lot of the conversations we, we've had has has kind of come back to parents. And I think if yeah. we think of yeah, our yeah, we, we, we're doing what we do partly because of our parents. And yeah, and it's so so clearly um, parental education is, is is a part of the the answer along mm, along point. with. Um, 
what what we're doing in schools, but it's, it's certainly it's not one without the other. Yeah. No, yeah. it's hand in hand. I think. Yeah. yeah. You're right. I think it's the education of a lot of parents out there of the, the further benefits of health as a standard of living. You know, yeah. Yeah. For, for your kids' future, rather than you know, think about it here and now. Think about the broader picture. Yeah, I yeah. love it when I train clients and the kids are there and they're, they're always fascinated by sort of the TRX or the weights and they ask lots of questions and I just hope that's, that, um, that they the carry thing. on I being inspired. I used to love inspired. coming to the gym with me. Yeah. That's why I used to love fit rev because I'd take her to the gym and she would either go to the salon and get her hair done or she'd go on the uh, walking machine, uh, running machine but we'd just put it on a quick walk uphill and she'd walk for half an hour of that thing she might do some assisted pull-ups yeah, <laughs> just like to yeah. keep no need for like the weights or anything but just having her in that environment and her feeling like that's the norm and same with the home gym you know if i'm not there you know the staff kids come and watch me train and it's all about just you know Normal, the, isn't it seeing, seeing your parents doing it yeah exactly. yeah yeah seeing by example yeah it's so important well, I think that's all we have time for today. Like your approach is just, it's so refreshing. Um, I wish there'd been someone like you when I was at school. Yeah, you should, they should bring the, your model here and try with the, I'm sure it would be a success, man. Yeah. Well, do you know what? We, um, a friend of mine took it out to Namibia. Yeah. And it, it went down very well. So, so there, there wow. is a little bit of gym run on the continent. But, yeah, because uh, yeah, yeah, I'm sure here, if kids had an option, they would do the sports yeah. and... Because kids, kids love to move and it's probably exactly. what happens exactly. back home. But yeah, yeah. yeah. it would yeah. definitely be a good yeah. new post-COVID improvement to school and education here. No, it would be amazing. Well, <laughs> And everywhere else. You've anyway. got us here. Yeah. Mike, if you ever want to come and visit, you've got yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Andy and on the farm. Andy on the ranch. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and... Um, Likewise, keep, keep this podcast going. Podcast, sorry. Because it's, uh, <laughs> I, like, I like the range of... You know the informality of it, but also the range of, of, of topics. Definitely. It's um, it's good to talk, isn't it? Yeah, oh, it is. It really yeah. is, and I think we've 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 wanted to do this this topic for a long time, um, and uh, yeah, so we're so grateful that you could come on, um, and we'll put um, we'll put in the description for the podcast how to get to your Instagram page and your website so people can go and check it out and maybe get inspired yeah, yeah. yeah. all right Sounds mike great. well i hope you have thank a, you a so nice much. nice weekend likewise yeah. thank you Cheers, guys all right, all right. Bye. bye